The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Hi, Terry. Hi, how are you? Well, today we are going to venture into an area we have um, kind of covered a little bit in the past, but perhaps not to this um, extent or detail, and to help us with that um, topic, which I will reveal in a moment, is our guest, who is Lois Drake, and I will ask Lois to tell us a bit about herself in just a moment, but let me tell you why she's with us. Today's topic is Jesus' lost years. Where did he go and why? We're talking about those 17 years between roughly the ages of 13 and 30, when Jesus was basically uh, doing something that we don't really know much about, because we haven't been given that information, at least not in the Orthodox channels. Lois has written a book called Isa, The Greatest Story Never Told. And uh, this goes back a number of years, actually. Well, not that great a number, but I think the, the book was published in 2009. Mm-hmm. But um, I've known Lois for a while, and I want to tell you a little bit about her before we uh, have her introduce herself. Um, she has a background in advertising and marketing in the healthcare industry. She was also an elementary school teacher um, early on. Um, Her love of writing and teaching combine, and she is now uh, a minister and an author of spiritual and historical fiction. She lives in Hawaii. Oh, gosh, that must be tough. (laughs) (laughs) And travels frequently to India, Russia, and throughout the U.S., facilitating spiritual retreats and helping to lead pilgrimages to holy sites of the world's religions. So, with that uh, introduction, Lois, do you want to say hi to everybody and uh, maybe fill in the blanks? Well, yes. Greetings, Tom and and Terry and everyone that is listening. Aloha from Hawaii. It's really a great place to be, especially when we know on the mainland there's been so much weather this year that um, I feel very fortunate to be able to be in this nice place. Well, I suspect that the, the Polar Express does not reach to Hawaii, does it? No, it hasn't made it here yet. Of course, we always have our own minor issues, but um, you know, we just feel it's a very blessed place to be. Well, your rain well, is definitely you. warm than ours. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tom, for that introduction. And uh, to elaborate a little bit more, I guess that I could say that I've always had a calling inside of me to try to be closer to Jesus. And I really wanted to understand the depths of what 
what he was teaching or what we have handed down to us in the Bible. So um, as I pursued this direction and that direction, even searching the world religions to find what is the kernel, what's the key that would make me even closer to Jesus, I found that um, it was pretty much summarized when I discovered the book The Lost Years of Jesus by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Mm-hmm. And that book described the missing years. What happened to Jesus, as you said, between the ages of roughly 13 to 30? Lo and behold, there are documents that have been shown to people who have traveled to the Himalayas that Jesus was in India. Well, that was really appealing to me because, you know, the whole idea of of divinity within us that's explained in Hinduism and the Buddha nature that's explained in Buddhism and threads of that which are pulled through into Christianity, well, maybe those were fostered if Jesus was indeed in India. So I started studying some more. I certainly read that book, The Lost Years of Jesus, which I recommend to anyone because it's very thorough, and I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. But as I, as, as I discovered more in my research and in my study of the world religions and my travel to different parts of the world, I saw, wow, this is really something Jesus was teaching, Hinduism and Buddhism, and he was teaching them when he was in India. So all of this led to my really wanting to bring the inner mysticism of Christianity and the knowledge of God within to people of every walk of life and every spiritual belief. And that's why I put it into a story, because many people can really, you know, they can grab onto a story. It's easier to read than sometimes a text of some kind or a scholarly work. So that's, that's what behind, was behind the writing of Isa. That was the Genesis. Well, I, I know that for a lot of people in the West, the whole idea of Jesus actually studying Eastern philosophies and religions is pretty foreign. I mean, we're not certainly taught that. That's not something that is a common uh, uh, stream of conversation in our um, spiritual upbringing. And to some, it's anathema, you know. Oh, well, yes. I mean, we, we, we talk about how this runs counter to Orthodox belief. We know we're running into a hornet's nest in many cases. So, mm-hmm. um, But I... Thank you for sharing that background because I had um, also myself read Elizabeth Clare Prophet's book on the lost years and was spellbound, frankly, by how thorough and detailed that story was and the background that she provides and this merging of East and West. I mean, I find it to be a, a profound topic to just kind of meditate on, if nothing else, because it gives us a definite new layer of understanding about Jesus' mission and his accomplishments and his Basically, emerging godhood. That's yeah, right. and, it, and it occurs to me that these are probably things that he was teaching in the upper room, you know, the, <laughs> uh, to his to his inner uh, disciples. Well, let's ask that question, Lois. Um, you know, I, I think that it begs the question: Is Christianity wrong? And uh, why didn't Sunday schools teach that Jesus went to India? I think about that question a lot, and <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> it's not that Christianity is wrong. It's that it's not deep enough. It doesn't, um, and I'm going to qualify this by saying traditional Christianity or maybe orthodox or whatever you want to call mainstream Christianity because I consider myself a Christian and I consider Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I consider myself a Christian mystic. So you see, I believe that Christianity in its traditional or orthodox or everyday mainstream form, it doesn't dig deep enough. 
But anybody can, who is a Christian, they can go deep, they can ask Jesus, they can go in their hearts, they can ask, who am I really, Jesus, and what is my relationship to you? Because there they will find that indeed Jesus was teaching that we have an inner nature of God, we have God in ourselves, we are sons, we are all sons and daughters of God. He never once said, I am the only son of God. He confirmed the scripture in the Psalms that said, ye are gods. So Mm -hmm. he was all along teaching us this, and why do we not teach it in our Sunday schools? I think it's because sometimes we need to to have him just awaken us, tap us, be Mm -hmm. reminded that Indeed, he came to show us to be like him, to embody the word, to be sons and daughters of God. So, you know, I I also believe that even though you may not find so many traditional churches that teach it in Sunday school, I do believe that we have a movement of people in all religions who do believe this and understand this. So it's not necessarily something that you see filtered out into uh, this sect or that sect, but you do find a whole movement of people who really, they say, wow, that's true. You know, I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. And I shall do the works that God has sent me to do because Jesus has gone on to his Father. You know, um, the the book that we have both mentioned that um, Mrs. Prophet wrote, and certainly in your book as well, um, there is a, a recognition of the fact that the the early Christian canon included um, teachings on karma, on reincarnation, on the Christhood and the, and the individual liberty, freedom, and accountability that that brings, and that it was not until a systematic effort was made to change those that we really have passed down to us what we understand for most of us in, as you said, Orthodox Christianity understand as the teachings of, of Christianity. Um, but in fact, I think we can show, uh, the evidence is scant perhaps, but we can show that karma and reincarnation are very elemental teachings within what Jesus was sharing with everybody because you would think it was obvious with personal accountability and Christhood that those, those, those issues, I'm speaking again of karma and reincarnation, would be um, part and parcel of that teaching. Right. That's exactly true. There are little clues. You know, first of all, I want to say that I love the Bible. I think we all can say that we, I love to read it. I feel the power of it. I feel Jesus speaking through it. And I feel that it's an essential part of a study of the world religions and, and of a personal path. At the same time, I know, and I think every scholar will confirm, that the Bible has been changed, tampered with, misquoted, errors made by scribes, and of course not even written until the earliest was at least 50 years after Jesus um, passed on, after, he, after his crucifixion mm-hmm. and ascended. So the Bible has had many alterations, but there are still clues in it that Jesus was teaching reincarnation and karma. Perhaps one of the most obvious clues our most obvious clues is the golden rule itself. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. So, you know, that's, that's <laughs> found in every one of the major world religions. And it's basically saying the energy that you put out or the misdeeds that you put out or the good deeds that you put out are gather, going to gather more of like and come back to you and return to you in the cycles of karma. We may not call it karma, but it is a basic 
principle of life on planet Earth and throughout the cosmos. Indeed, that uh, the responsibility for sowing and weeping and reaping, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, it's, there's one of the passages that's most interesting. It's repeated in several of the books of the New Testament. Are the passages about John the Baptist and Elijah and Elias? So you know, the disciples when they um, when they saw John the Baptist and they and they said to Jesus that. Um, you know, the scriptures say that Elias must come again. Is this, not, um, is this not true? Will not Elias come again? And Jesus confirmed, and it's quoted in, in uh, Matthew and in, um, well, let's see, three of the different books, Matthew and Mark. And it says that Jesus says, indeed, Elias has come again, indicating that that was John the Baptist, mm-hmm, yeah. and that they did to him whatever they would. So... You find it, but you have to read it with the eye to understand, is this what, is this karma and reincarnation? Is this reincarnation being spoken right here in our scriptures, but we ignore it? And we tend to just say, oh, well, that's just a mystery. But indeed, I think that in early Judaism, reincarnation was accepted. And so Jesus was very likely just describing to his disciples that John the Baptist was Elijah come again. Indeed. Well, um, on that note, um, we're about to already come up on a break, believe it or not. We've just cruised through the first segment. (laughs) Um, I do want to make this point quickly before we do go to break, and that is something that you alluded to, uh, Lois, that we're, in in exposing and bringing this to the general consciousness, we're trying to bridge, not polarize. And it's an easy place for some people to want to take this and say, oh, you're, you're running totally counter to the the essence, the core of Christianity. Well, we're not. As you've said a number of times, and I totally agree, this is something that we love. We are Christians. We do believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, we we do read the Bible. Um, We're not suggesting that you depart from any place that you've already felt comfortable spiritually. This is an additional understanding and awareness of what probably inspired the teachings that we all love. So we just want to make sure that no peace is left out if that's a, a fair way to categorize this. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. Well, we will come back to this subject, of course, after a short break, so please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. 
At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone, and we're glad you stayed with us. Um, We're talking today about Jesus' lost years, and we have a very special guest with us, Lois Drake, who is the author of the book Isa. The Greatest Story Never Told, and it's all about Jesus' lost years, those years that have been up till now pretty much unaccounted for, roughly between the ages of 13 and 30. And Lois is a teacher, a minister, author, retreat leader, many things, and also, as you already know, if you've been with us, very articulate on the subject. Um, and Lois, I'd like to start this segment with a question that I know others have asked, and I've heard people ask And that is this, that if the story of Jesus studying Buddhism in the ancient Vedas, why would the Son of God need to study? That's such a great question. And I think it's important to all of of us and all of our lives, and especially for our young people. No matter how much attainment a person may have, or how how congruent they are with the Godhead, with God, himself, herself, still, when they come into physical embodiment, they have to apply themselves to be able to constantly walk and talk and be that Word of God. Mm -hmm. All of our paths of spirituality are based on a disciple and student relationship. In the East, they call that the guru and the chela. In the West, we call it disciple and student. So any true avatar, any true great teacher of humankind is also extremely humble. And we find that in Jesus. We find it in any great god or goddess, you know, from any of the world religions. So Jesus submitted himself to learn, to learn what he needed to take back to Galilee. Now, why is this so important? You know, I think it it points to the basic the basic difference between mainstream Orthodox Christianity and even the other world religions and finding God in our hearts, 
as sons and daughters of God. So, for instance, if we believe that someone comes as, quote, the only son of God, nobody else can do it. That person just comes, you know, in a, in a great cloud of light, and everything is ready-made for them. They know all the answers. They know how to do everything. You know, it's pretty simple, isn't it, to be a god or a goddess, if that's the way it is. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Right. <laughs> how much more do we love Jesus if we realize how hard it was? Sure, he had many, many embodiments, and, you know, we could spend a whole segment talking about possible other lifetimes of Jesus. Many embodiments, so much attainment, so much mastery, that when he came into this lifetime, he was walking and talking the word. He was the light of God. He was the avatar for the whole age of Pisces, 2,000 years. But still, he had to learn just like we have to learn. He showed us that we, our youth, no matter how much attainment we have, no matter how many wonderful embodiments we've had, we come back in and we still need to find our teacher and we still need to submit to learning and then go out and complete our mission just as he did. He demonstrated it for us. And it just makes me love him all the more deeply to think of his humanity as well as of his godhood. Well, and, and I think that's a great point to speculate upon and meditate on because we don't typically think of Jesus as going through life as we do. I mean, that he has the same kinds of tests and challenges and ordeals. You know, he, this makes him seem very real in a way that is more on our level, if you will. And I don't mean to equate us necessarily with, you know, a certain equality with Jesus, but you know what I mean as far as his emerging divinity was emerging. It wasn't simply fully fledged. Yes, I do know what you mean. And you're right. That's a very good point because when I was writing Isa, here he was a teenager. And I had to really pray to Jesus and read the Bible and study what I could. And, you know, there's an awful lot of material by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, not only in the lost years, but in the lost teachings of Jesus. And in other authors, you know, in the Gnostic Gospels, so all these different things, I really combed to find what kind, how would he have reacted as a teenager to the Mm -hmm. problems that a teenager has? Because would he have just come, as I said earlier, just ready-made, no problems, no no emotions, (laughs) I'm sure that, you know, he wouldn't have had the compassion that he demonstrated if he came to planet Earth with no emotions, but I had to be very... um, sensitive, hopefully, you know, to um, the inspirations that came from Jesus as to how he would react to the different things that might have come up in his life as a teenager studying in India. And and so I tried to create different scenes that would um, give someone an idea of how a young avatar might have reacted. Well, and also, I think just exploring these these teachings, the, the Vedas, Hinduism, Buddhism, in such a way that he had to make sense of those within a context of the spirituality of the day. That's really true. Yeah. yeah. And it's my understanding uh, in the work that I've read by Elizabeth Clare Prophet that when he would when he would go to to go to the feet, so to speak, of those who knew the things that he needed to learn. Um, typically the reaction that he got was that they were saying, well, we should be at your feet. Hmm. But he rejected that because he knew that it was important for him to go around the clock, so to speak, with all of the elements that he would need 
uh, when he came back for his final three years. And so you mentioned humility a moment ago regarding, uh, regarding Jesus. And so I think that's, that's another uh, great reason that people should study these and read these books by Elizabeth Clare Prophet as well as this, this beautiful story. I think what will happen is if people will read Issa to begin with, then they'll go, wow, this is really, really neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do pray that it will serve that purpose. But, yeah, but let me just go back again to a minute, for a minute to The Lost Years of Jesus by Mrs. Mm-hmm. Buffett. What is so amazing about that book and what I based Isa upon, that book publishes three lost manuscripts, Buddhist, basically Buddhist manuscripts, mm-hmm. about what Jesus did when he went to the East. So that, in a way, made my job easy, because these manuscripts say pretty much exactly what he did. You know, the, he went to um, certain areas of India, he learned, he studied Pali, he learned the language, he taught, but it also said that he challenged the priests. Now, isn't that <laughs> characteristic of Jesus, because he came back to Galilee? So he upheld, you know, he um, fought the cultural stigma of the day in India where they had the caste system, and the lower castes were not allowed to listen to the teachings of the Vedas, but he stood up for them, and the priests wanted to throw him out. You know, it's very similar to his mission in Galilee where Mm -hmm. he taught the common people. Oh, yeah. Well, he was there upsetting the apple cart, as it were. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. And why would that be? Because the common people have the light of God in their hearts. So he was reaching to the ones that he knew would know him as another son of God and awakening them to the fact that they are also sons and daughters of God so they would recognize him. Well, you know, there's something that is kind of uh, suggested by this, and that is the complacency factor. I think that a lot of people, and this is a generality, and I freely admit it, but that there's a lot of um, uh, resistance to change because complacency and comfortability have a lot of appeal for people, and they don't necessarily want to have their apple carts upturned. And here comes somebody, whether he's in the East or the West or some you know combination of the two, who's basically saying, you know, there's a lot more to your reality than you're aware of. And that once people start to um, bite this fruit, if you will, it's awfully hard to unknow what you know. Right. And you, uh, Lois, you'll certainly um, remember this line about um, from the Send Master's teachings that uh, these truths are sweet on the tongue and bitter in the belly. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, understandings of that statement are that you want, you, your soul is hungry for this knowledge of your inner divinity, of your Christhood, and all these things that actually give you a, a level of freedom that you don't maybe have right now. But once you have ingested and consumed this reality, you can't unknow it, and it sets in motion a whole ripple effect of accountabilities and and you know I mean you you're, de- you're you're starting on a path that's very difficult to unwind and I think that one of the reasons why my understanding of the resistance to Jesus teachings was that people understood if only on a subconscious level that uh oh everything's about to change am I ready do I want this yeah. you know east yeah. or west here here it is yeah you know so yeah. Jesus is kind of in your face even I sus- suspect as a teenager he was probably not opposed to expressing his passion. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, you know, those are profound points that you're making uh, because there are, I think, several reasons why religions don't go deeper. You know, 
for one thing, it's easier, the complacency factor. If you are given a set of rules and a dogma and you just say, well, you've got to believe this and everything will be okay, you'll be fine, you'll go to heaven, that's a lot easier than having to really grapple with the deep issues of life, the, to ask the questions, you know, about whether there, I could have lived before this or why am I here, what's my job, what is my mission, <laughs> who am I really, you know, those are big questions. So it's easier. So I think that's the number one reason is the complacency factor. And the number two reason is, you know, frankly, there have been through the centuries people who have wanted to control other people by giving them a certain dogma, and this is what you are to believe, and if you don't believe this, well, you know, there's the Inquisition or there's uh, you no know, casting into outer darkness or whatever it is. But nevertheless, the sons and daughters of God throughout the ages persist to go deeper and deeper and resurface that we really are inheritors of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of God, and we have a mission to perform. You know, uh, Lois, we're going to be coming up to a break here pretty quickly, but maybe in our next segment, I'd like to get into um, uh, just the whole topic of how how central uh, Jesus is to the teachings of the Ascended Masters. And I'll, I'll be quite honest, 42 years ago, I stumbled, <laughs> I stumbled across this path, <laughs> and I was fascinated with everything but Jesus, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these other cards in the deck, so to speak. And what I have found, and especially recently with Elizabeth Clare, Clare Prophet's books on Jesus and your book on Isa, is that I have turned back now to, to having this intense appreciation for how central Jesus is to us as yeah. we follow the path of the teachings of the Ascended Masters. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Terry, because I think that would be a good way to, to kick off our next segment. And before we bring this one to a close, since we have mentioned these books a number of times, I'd like to mention them again. Uh, and that is The Lost Years and The Lost Teachings of Jesus. I believe there must be at least five volumes. Um, you'll know you have the right ones when you see the author's name, Elizabeth Clare Prophet. You can find these on Amazon. You can go to our bookstore at tsl.org. Um, the Lost Years of Jesus, The Lost Teachings of Jesus, you will not be uh, unhappy that you uh, track these down. They're very much worth reading. And on that note, we will take a break right now, a short one, so please stay with us. We'll be back in about two minutes. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face, and their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. 
on The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Oh, well, hello once again, everyone. Welcome. Um, thanks for staying with us. We are talking today about the lost years of Jesus. And uh, I think we've established um, pretty well, concretely, that Jesus was not born 30 years old. And he didn't just build chairs for 18 years, you right. know, with his father. <laughs> so. Yes, indeed. Well, we are with um, Lois Drake, who wrote the book, Isa, The Greatest Story Never Told, about these self-same lost years of Jesus, which are, of course, not lost anymore. No. Now, Terry, you had a question you wanted to ask. I know at the end of the last segment you were talking about Jesus as an ascended master. You want to pick up that thread? Well, I, I was, and I'll just kind of double back with what I said. You know, in 1972, I found the teachings of the ascended masters, and I was, I was very fascinated with, um, let's say, everybody but Jesus, because I grew up Episcopalian, and so I knew Jesus, you know, but I was fascinated with the whole subject of the the entire spirit of the Great White Brotherhood and who all these Ascended Masters were. But what I found was that um, as the time has gone on, I have learned and appreciated more and more just exactly how central Jesus is to every this path that I walk. And so I have I have become reinfired, so to speak. I just <laughs> I just stumbled across a, uh, a cassette version of, of the, the New Testament, and I'm making CDs of them so I can <laughs> listen to them. And so I want to know all about this. And I'm yeah. reading these wonderful books that, uh, uh, that Taylor Caldwell has written about uh, Jesus and, and the disciples. And, and, you know, I'm just really fascinated. So here we've got you with your book on Esau, which is, an, is a nice, easy read for people to be able to get into the story. And then we have Elizabeth Clare Prophet with her her books on the lost years and lost teachings. And so uh, talk to us a little bit, uh, Lois, about how, how central Jesus really is to the whole scene. And by the way, let, let me just jump in really yeah. quick. 
we've been referring to Isa a number of times without probably giving it the proper attribution. Do you want to clarify who Isa is? Sure. Yes, <laughs> you know, in the last years of Jesus, we have in the Buddhist manuscripts that they, the Buddhists say, your Jesus was here, and they he was in the East, and we called him Isa, I-S-S-A. So <laughs> it's the Eastern name for Jesus. Uh. And your question or your point... Um, Terry, is so well taken. Many times when we find the Ascended Masters, we get so in love with all of the different Masters, and we're just so um, filled with these wonderful new relationships that we have with these great cosmic beings and, and men and women who have been just like us, who have walked on Earth and then become one with their Christ self or their Buddhist self or their... Krishna self, and then they became one with their God self and ascended. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people say to me, well, gee, what do you think about Jesus? Is he just one of the boys, you know, <laughs> just one of the group? And, yeah. um, you know, you could never look at any ascended master as just one of the group, but I have to say that for planet Earth, which in planet Earth I'm sure many of us feel and know from our reading and study, is pretty instrumental into in this galaxy is how Earth goes. Well, there are many other <laughs> life waves waiting to find out how Earth goes. Well, Jesus had quite has quite a unique mission throughout the cosmos, you could say. So rather than being just one of the boys, he has his very, very special role. And that role has really been to awaken the sons and daughters of God, to awaken them to reunite to light, once again, the divine spark that they have in their hearts. So many people don't even realize they have the spark of God in their hearts. They have forgotten. But Jesus came over and over and over again to remind us. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't go into all these embodiments in the book, says The Greatest Story Never Told, but that embodiment in Galilee was pivotal because not only did he remind us by demonstrating how to be a Christ. Now, Christ is really from the Greek, Christos, meaning anointed one. So it means someone who's illumined, like a Buddha is an illumined one. So mm-hmm. Jesus not only showed us how to do that, how to be that, to study, to follow the initiations, to stand, to speak the word of God at all times, but he also sacrificed himself. Here's an adept who, you know, if we believe in miracles, and we do, here's an adept who certainly did not need to submit himself to the cross. He had already demonstrated how he could walk through crowds and be invisible, so he didn't have to allow himself to be persecuted, but he did. He Mm -hmm. sacrificed himself materially so that he could help us, he could take on some of our karma, some of our misdeeds, so that we would have the next 2,000 years to get it right, figure it out, balance our karma, and become one with our own Christ self and our own Buddha self, our own God self. He demonstrated all that. And the other great avatars, of course, they are not diminished by the fact that he did that, but they all, whether they understand or know Jesus or have never even heard his name, if they have reached that level of, a, of attunement with the higher self, the Buddha self, the Christ self, then they naturally, we all bow to Jesus 
because we battle each other because it's the divinity, it's the God in him. You know, you raise an interesting point, too, in what you're just saying about the fact that Jesus did really die for our sins, but in a way that we don't often uh, understand, and allow me to paraphrase, you can certainly uh, fill in the blanks, Lois, um, he, w- he was holding our karma at bay until we were able to attain to enough spiritual strength to handle our karma on our own. He didn't take it away from us because uh, cosmic law dictates that every jot and tittle of the karma that we create, the negative karma, must be transmuted before that energy can be returned to the heart of God. He was a living example of how we can practice that transmutation, if you will, um, in order to eventually ascend to to clear our our karmic uh, ledger, if you, if you will. So, is that a fair statement to say that um, while yes, he did die for our sins, he didn't die to take it away from us because that would take away our learning, but he did give us a, a bit of a grace period. That's so well said. You know, I um, think that's the main difference, once again, between the beliefs of the sons and daughters of God and what we might call mainstream Christianity. Because it's more than just saying, I believe in Jesus, therefore all my sins are forgiven. Well, yes, our sins are forgiven forgiven immediately, even at the time that we created the sin. But we then have created the work that we have to do to undo that misdeed. So Jesus took it on his shoulders. He took it on him because he saw how we didn't understand. We had to, we had to learn more. We had to do more. We had to balance the karma that we had been making lifetime after lifetime. He took it on so we could remember who we are and that we could get started on it. We could do it. And it's been 2,000 years, and now it's time that we all receive it back and that we balance it and that we move forward. And, of course, the teachings of the Ascended Masters give us that wonderful tool of the beautiful light of God that is violet, that, re, that is that, that color of mercy and compassion and forgiveness that's mm-hmm. really a key to then balancing our karma. And aren't we glad we have that? Um, St. Germain gave us the dispensation uh, well within our lifetimes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> how, how many of the, um, the modern uh, teachings that we have do you touch on when you go into the storyline of, of your, and maybe next uh, in the next segment in particular, we can talk about a little bit about the storyline of the book, uh, Issa, mm-hmm. the greatest mm-hmm. story never told. Um, so can you talk to us about that? Well, I do bring out um, many of these things that we are talking about. So, for example... Um, I had, through my research, found a civilization in India at that time known as the Kushans. And the Kushans, uh, little known in Western um, study, but they had quite a, a civilization and empire that was really starting to build and beginning to thrive at the time that Jesus would have been in India. So in my story, I had him actually interacting with one of the young kings of the Kushans because I thought, well, why not do some reflection between a, a heavenly kingdom that Jesus is teaching us to build and an earthly kingdom that this young Kushan um, was trying to build in his empire uh-huh. and to juxtapose some of these, you know, um, these very things that we're talking about. For example, one of the one of the comments that is made in the book was is when Jesus is challenging someone who is an imposter or someone who is uh, a tyrant. 
and he is given the teaching from his teacher that now is not the time because whatever you do that's good, there's a force that comes to oppose it. And you have to have the strength, you have to have the God attainment, you have to have the protection around you to challenge those opposing forces. So all these things I've been trying to bring out in different scenes and activities that happen in the book. Yeah, yeah. So that would equate, for instance, to today when you're going to challenge something. You want to make sure that you're you're well protected with you're Archangel armored. Michael. <laughs> You've got your armor on and, and uh, yeah. yeah. You know, right. um, <laughs> there, there's so many branches of, of this conversation that we could take. Um, and I was just reminded of something, again, that you said a moment ago about Jesus and his role in this galaxy, in this cosmos. Um, in the hierarchy of the Ascended Masters, there are positions, there are levels of attainment, there are uh, different um, responsibilities. Um, was, is Jesus not one of the world teachers on the same par, I think, with Buddha? Yes, and <laughs> I think that's so important. I, I travel quite often to India, and uh, with a colleague there in India and my husband, we offer retreats in India. And, you know, it's very important in India to lead with Hinduism and to understand that we have a Vishnu self that is the son of God in Hinduism or Krishna self who represents that son of God. And we have the same in Buddhism where we have the Buddha self. Mm -hmm. And I think in um, the Muslim faith you have the messenger. So every world religion really has something that's indicating our higher nature, our higher self. And it's that higher self that is the one son of God, the one daughter of God. As we learn to become that son, that daughter, that one aspect of God, then we share in that sonship. So, yes, it does not diminish, you know, a world teacher does not diminish the work of Buddha or the work of Krishna or the the work of Jesus. But all our leaders to show us the way to become the same as them. Exactly, all focused on the same goal. Well, on that note, we've already come to the end of our third segment, just like that. (laughs) Um, So please, everyone, stay with us. We've got one more to go. We've got lots of ground yet to cover with Lois Drake talking about Jesus' lost years. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. 
At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back, everyone. Thanks for staying with us. We're thinking today about Jesus' lost years with with author Lois Drake. And Lois, um, I guess we could take um, a rather broad question here. What is the point of your book? And uh, as you answer that question, uh, perhaps you might share with us whether you feel or believe that any part of this truth is threatening to orthodox belief. Well, (laughs) (laughs) pause. I would not say so much threatening to orthodox belief as I would say threatening to whatever is not truth. Uh. And the reason I make a differentiation is I think that we all see on planet Earth today there are problems. And some people don't believe in evil, but I do think evil is a code word for energy veil. It means that really there are people who have put out so much negative energy intentionally that they have clouded over the truth. And why is it important, and why did I write ESA so that people would have another opportunity to hear the truth, to read the truth, that we are really sons and daughters of God? Why is that important? Because that is the key to dispelling the darkness of that energy veil, to dispelling evil, if you will, to cleaning up this planet so that we can go into a golden age where people have illumination, understanding, enlightenment, and love. So if you know that you're a son or a daughter of God, then you know that you have the authority to challenge darkness. And that's why it's threatening to darkness, however darkness manifests. It can manifest in our own beings as something we just don't want to get rid of, you know, a part of ourselves that's not so great and we're not sure we want to give it up, or it can manifest in the world at large. So that's why it's important. Challenging truth. So we become, yeah, we become empowered then when we know who we are. Yeah, I meant to say, 
we're challenging the lies of yeah. the darkness. And, uh, um, you know, one of the things I think is important for us to say, we, we do this often. We'll, we, we try to tell people that we have, we have no axe to grind here. We have no, uh, we're not requesting money. Um, our, our only real aim is to expose people who wish to and choose to listen to it, a certain truth and illumination and ultimately a freedom that is maybe not entirely manifesting in their lives right now. And I don't mean to qualify anybody's life as not being as happy as they want it to be. But what I mean to say is that there is a level of spiritual truth and awareness when we start to talk about the divinity within, the spark of God within, this I am presence in our Christ self or our Vishnu self or our, our Buddhist self, or whatever, that we're talking about something that is in fact so powerful and so liberating and it takes us away from perhaps where we've been for 10,000 lifetimes, who knows, mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. a realm that we once knew and our souls know and that Jesus, I feel in my own heart, was telling us that this is something that you're already familiar with. This is not something necessarily, quote, new, unquote. This has been with you in your soul, in your memory, since the moment you were created by God. And to remind us of what our true birthright is, our true potential, that is something that I think is a priceless gift to give anybody, which I'm certain Jesus was giving all of us as much as he could. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that we, we want to take every opportunity to follow that thread. And we tell people on this show all the time, and forgive me for being wordy here, but this is kind of, <laughs> this is my soapbox, <laughs> is that people are given perhaps limited opportunities to really open up their minds, their hearts, and their souls to the truth that we're talking about. And that when they do have this opportunity, you don't want to squander it. And who knows how long it's taken us, how many lifetimes to, to follow this path, follow this thread, follow this illumination to its ultimate source. So, and forgive me for being long-winded on that, but I think that one of the points that I found was very intriguing, not only about your book, but about what I understand of Jesus' mission, is to free us, to bring that, that ultimate uh, priceless liberation that cannot be replaced. Isn't that the truth? I mean, that is really, you're, you're welcome to be long-winded about that, <laughs> because that is the most important thing. You know, it's, it's taking back our power we lose power, we lose our true identity when we give it away and, you know, submitting ourselves to whether it's um, power over us by other people who tell us what to believe or whether it's power over us in our own beings of not being able to step away from bad habits or old momentums, you know. And, and either of those things can be very scary to step away from either of those and to rely on that inner God nature. Well, and, and as we know, as we believe, um, Jesus is very real. I mean, we, we know he's real as an ascended master. We know he's real as a presence in our lives. But to be an immediate friend, mentor, counselor, brother, confidant, all those things, he's, say, he's there. He's saying, yes, use me in this way. This is what I'm here for. Let me put my arm around your shoulder and talk to you intimately. I mean, to have that relationship with Jesus that everybody you know, talks about, this adds a dimension to that relationship that is so, I think, just breathtakingly beautiful. <laughs> right. Lois, um, just you might have a thought there, but I just want to make sure that people know where they can, where they can go to buy your book and where it's available. Your last name is Drake, D-R-A-K-E, and so um, what should they look for? Just so Google I, or type in. Type in Issa, I-S-S-A. 
And then you can add the greatest story never told, but the main title should get you there, just I-S-S-A. And again, it's the greatest story never told, Amazon.com or finer bookstores, you know, just um, give them that title and you'll find it. Indeed. Oh, good, good. Well, I just wanted <laughs> to you. touch that before we uh, close it out today. Um, you wanted to talk a bit about the mechanics of this book, I think, before we well, go, too. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Is there anything in particular you want to say about uh, just uh, the, the structure of, this, of the story without giving too much away? All right. Well, I try to have this story bounce back a little bit between Mary and her family in uh, Palestine and mm-hmm. saying goodbye to her son and then Jesus and his work and the things that he was learning in different places in India where he was going and then his interactions with this young prince as they were traveling through India and searching for their teacher, searching mm-hmm. for the one that they would be the disciples of and then what they had to learn from that teacher. So in the, in the process, they had a lot of adventures, and then in the end, you know, culminated in the end of, I won't give it away, but, you know, what really was really helped to prepare Jesus to go back to Galilee. Well, his teacher, I think you name his teacher in the book, do you not? Yes, I do. And that would be? Well, I named his teacher as Maitreya, who was a, a great Buddha, is a great Buddha, the coming Buddha, but I won't say everything about how he <laughs> discovered that teacher. <laughs> I, I just know that a lot of our listeners are familiar with Maitreya from our past programs, so I wanted to make sure I got a plug in <laughs> the great Buddha. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to give a plug for Maitreya. <laughs> always good to plug the masters. Well, I mean, every... I. I sound like a broken record. Every week I say this, don't I, Terry? Yes, you Well, do. another hour has just evaporated. We've just basically consumed almost 60 minutes of programming. I am so grateful um, that you were able to join us um, from your haven in Hawaii, Lois. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. And I want to remind people who want more um, of, of Lois and or more of Elizabeth Clare Prophet in her books, you can look for them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever finer books are sold, but ESA. The Greatest Story Never Told from Sun, uh, from Snow Mountain. Is that right? That's Snow, right. Snow Mountain, Snow Mountain Press. And then The Lost Years of Jesus, The Lost Teachings of Jesus. You'll find those um, on Amazon and elsewhere, tsl.org, bookstore. Mm-hmm. And want to just thank everybody for staying with us for that. We really appreciate your presence, your stick your inquisitiveness. And we hope we have given you food for thought. Yeah, and, and for our listeners out there, any questions, any any comments, anything, just get in touch with us, and we'll we'll be happy to answer you. We will, and as we like to say, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of, of this, this world. world. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.